just in case you're a visitor, you've not been with us, we've been speaking about honor over the last few weeks and uh, just setting some foundation and, and continuing to teach now that, that God wants us to live a life that honors Him, that honors others. And when we honor others, we're honoring God as well. That's what God wants us to do. And I'm not going to re-preach everything we've already preached about, but I will say this and a reminder to people as we spoke last week, how many of you were challenged by the whole part about honoring our governing authorities? <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Uh, you know, the Word of God says we've got to honor those that were placed in authority because there was no other, there was no other uh, authority established except that which was established by God. Amen? And we know that honoring somebody is a kingdom principle, and a kingdom principle is hard to put into practice because our flesh fights it. And it's hard because our culture wants us to dishonor, but we're not going to dishonor today. We're going to honor God today based upon His Word. If you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to stay there for one verse, and then we're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 3 says this, verse 7, he says, in, in reference to an overseer, if somebody wants to be an overseer or a pastor of a church, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. This morning, I want us to focus on honor in light of, of this verse. Because honor goes three directions. Honor goes up, honor goes down, and honor goes side to side. Say it with me. Up, down, side to side. Ready? Up, down, side to side. You think we're doing the hokey pokey, don't you? We're not doing the hokey pokey, and I'm not going to turn myself around. The, the thing is, is that we live in a culture. We live in a community. We live around people. And I don't care who you are, somebody's above you, somebody's below you, and somebody's beside you. And that's called life. Amen? That's just the way it is. Now, according to this passage we just read, Paul is encouraging Timothy as a pastor saying, hey, look, if somebody wants to be an overseer of a church, it's a good thing, okay? It's a good thing to want that. He's got to be a husband of one, of one wife and all that stuff, all the stuff the church exalts. This verse says he's got to have a good reputation with outsiders. You know what an outsider is? The community. Your life. Everybody you come into contact with outside of this building. The people you work with. Your bosses, your co-workers, the people that work for you. What is your reputation? Now, the important thing is, is, is who would ever want to hire a pastor that has a bad reputation? True or false? Today, we're going to line ourselves up with the Word of God. If you would expect your pastor to have a good reputation in the community, is it fair to say your pastor would expect you to have a good reputation in the community? There's a reason for it. We already talked last week. We said if we're going to honor God, God's got a purpose. He's the one that the Scripture said that He's willing that all would be saved. Salvation unto all men. If the desire for God is to see salvation unto all men, and so we need to honor people, then likewise you and I need to honor people at the hardest possible place, even harder than our governing authorities, is our daily lives everywhere. So today, I'm going to focus on the fact that honor moves it flows, and it flows. Very good. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. Everybody say full respect. I'm making you talk a lot today, aren't I? Maybe it's because I'm half asleep from the weekend still. 
So that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. The first thing I want to talk about in our daily life is that honor flows up. Everybody's got somebody over them and we need to look at them and consider their masters to be worthy of full respect. You say, Pastor Bob, I'm not a slave. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> you are a slave. Trust me, you don't go to work this week. You say, I'm not a slave. I'm not going to go to work. Then next week you won't have a job. And then you won't have all the fun stuff you like to have. Amen. We're slaves. We got masters. We got people we have to work for. And that's just the way it is. And according to this passage, it says they're worthy of full respect. It doesn't say they're worthy of partial respect. And it doesn't say they're only worthy of respect when they're watching us. And it doesn't say they're only worthy of respect some of the time. It says they're worthy of our full respect. Well, what is full respect? What does it look like? A couple of passages. It'll be on the screen. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 22 says this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there is no favoritism. Ephesians 6 says this in verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. So three things here. How do we show full respect to those that are our masters, those that are over us. How does honor flow up in our daily lives when we go to work every day? It's the hardest place to do it. Well, number one, it says we obey them. We obey our masters. We obey our bosses. We do what they tell us to do. How many of you have ever worked with somebody that didn't do what they were told at work? <laughs> Put your hand down, John. You got to do what you're told, man. If, they boss, if the boss says you be here at 8 o'clock and you call yourself a Christian, you better be there at 10 to 8. If we're going to be honest this morning, let's be honest and real. If we go to work and we say we're a Christian and we walk in the door 5 to 10 minutes late every day and then when it's break time at 9.30, we take from 9.30 to 9.55 when it should only have been a 15-minute break and we go out and then we go to lunch and lunch we take an extra 20 to 25 minutes or 10 minutes or even a few minutes late coming back and then we, then we steal another 5 to 10, 15 minutes off our afternoon break and then we're standing there with the clock three minutes before waiting to punch. ka and then everybody's standing around you going, stinking Christians. I've heard it before, man. I've said it. Matter of fact, I told one of them. I said, you know, you get a lot more done if you wouldn't run around here telling everybody about Jesus. Why? Because nobody is interested in what you have to say if you're not living it. The world doesn't have to know this thing about honor. They know it already. I'm, and I'm sad to say that there are people that are lost that outwork us. <laughs> I know they love me, Lord, but... 
We've got to obey, church. And when they're there, here's the other thing. It says we need to do it with sincerity, not with eye service. Oh, my. Have you ever known somebody that when the boss leaves is gone for the day, it's party time? You know? And the boss is gone, and you're thinking, yes, I can talk now. There's nobody here telling me what to do. And the truth of the matter is, is that when he comes back, you're going to get busted. I've done this. I've done this. When I was younger, younger man, and I, and I was working at the shop, and Larry would be gone. He'd be out of town, and I'd be thinking, hey, guys, what's up? You know, be talking, visiting, doing, doing things, excuse me. And I wouldn't get as much done as I normally do. And he comes back and says, what would you do all day? And then you try to defend yourself. Well, I was doing this, and somebody came in with that. And he's figuring out the time. He's like... It's not honorable. It's actually stealing. You're stealing from your boss. You are producing nothing and receiving payment for it. Can I get a witness up in here? That's just the way it is, amen? And it's not right, and it's not good. It also says, my third point, I'm going to look because it's out of my head now. Full respect, we obey. Full respect means we do it with a sincere heart. And thirdly, full respect means we serve them just as we would the Lord. Now, this is the scary part because I think some of us do. Some of us do serve our bosses like we do serve the Lord. You know, we complain. We argue. We share our opinions. We get mad. You know, we, we, our whole lives we have things we have to do. I remember the very first job I went out on uh, in construction was in Marion, Alabama. And if anybody's ever worked in a foundry and understands what calcium carbonate is or black coal dust that's packed basically to a really hard clump. And I was sent up there with an air chisel to chisel out about this deep of an area about eight foot long and eight foot wide of that stuff by myself with goggles and a little mask on. It was not enjoyable. I submitted, I did it. And I praise God that by the time I left the shop, I was above those jobs, I didn't have to do them as much anymore. The truth of the matter is, though, they knew I would do it. The thing is, is there's always something that we don't want to do. But if our boss is paying us and he says, I need you to go do this, that's not the time to step up and say, I'm not getting paid to do that. That's not my job description. Do you realize we wouldn't need necessarily unions if everybody lived by kingdom principles? We wouldn't need a union to keep our job because we'd be hard workers. And we wouldn't need the union to protect us because honor would flow down. Unfortunately, we don't live in that day and age. So we have got to understand and know that we have to, have to, everybody say have to, show full respect, doing it with a sincere heart and serving them as we are serving the Lord. Now that passage also said that if we work with somebody or work for somebody that's a believer, that they deserve more respect. They deserve more honor. Why is that? Because how many of you ever seen a good boss that is a nice, gentle person that does the job well, knows what they're doing, but loves his employees enough to be generous to them and the employees take advantage? Have you ever seen that before? You know, the boss that understands family. The boss that says, you know, it's a family issue. I understand you need family time. I'm, yeah, go ahead and take some time off. Be with your family. That's very important. And then all of a sudden to the employee, because his boss is a good and generous man, all of a sudden looks at him and says, well, everything's family time. Fishing, hunting. And all of a sudden they're taking a lot of family time. Well, because it's a family. Listen, don't take advantage of your brother and sister in Christ. Sometimes we're the hardest on each other. 
What kind of an example, what type of reputation are you setting for outsiders when we dishonor one another inside the kingdom of God? I thought I was preaching better than that. It hurts our witness. It hinders people from coming to Christ. Full respect brings a reward. Listen to this. Colossians 3, we're still talking about honoring up. 3.24 says, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Verse 25, Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Ephesians 6.8 says this, Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. God is going to reward us. If you will honor up in your daily life and you will honor your boss and you will treat him with respect and you won't cut him down and you won't get in his face and yell at him and you won't talk him down when he's not looking, if you will look at him and honor him, there will be a reward. There's going to be several rewards. There's going to be financial. There's going to be blessing. I know somebody right now, I thank God they gave me permission yesterday to use this story because I wanted to. This just came about this week. I'm not going to share names or instances, but this is a real happening. This just happened. An individual that moved a couple of states over, didn't want to have to move away, did move away, uh, has been moved away for a year or so now, and has been serving and working. A young person. And he was working for a boss that was older, uh, set in his ways, and how many of us know when we go into the industrial world as a young man that you're wet behind the ears and you know nothing? You just shut up and do what you're told. You don't, I don't care what your college degree is, boy. This is how we do things. <laughs> Amen? I, how many of us ever heard that before? That's just the way it is. Well, you can take your diploma and you can stick that over in the corner. This is how we do it out here in the real world, boy. That's how it is. That's the type of guy this, this person was working for. So he worked for him and endured that for a year. Uh, he shut his mouth, showed up on time, was respectful, worked hard, put in the extra time. Had, had told him up front, I wish I was at a place closer to home. That's what I'd like to do, but I'm going to stay here. I'm going to serve. I'm going to work. And he did. And when it came to his year review, the man sat him down. He said, look, most of the time when somebody comes in here for their review, I'll give them a 2.5% interest, a 2.5% raise. In your case, I'm going to give you 5%. He said, why? He said, well, because you are a credit to your generation. You as a young person, I expected you to maybe get mad and blow off and, and stomp out or demand things, whatnot, so on and so forth. But, but you did not do that. He said, I realize I am not an easy person to work for. He said, you go home and you tell your mom and dad they'd done a tremendous job raising you. And then to top it all off, he said, I realize that you would like to be back near your home. And we have some plants there. And as soon as the first opportunity comes, an opening there at that place, I am going to so highly recommend you for that job. He could have ducked and run. He could have done other things. He didn't. He served sacrificially. And God is exalting him. God is lifting him up. God's bringing blessing. Listen, this doesn't just fit for the workforce. It fits for our schools too, kids. It fits for honoring your teacher. It fits for honoring, to show your teacher. Did you know the thing is that when your teacher gives you homework, they're sending you home with an opportunity to show your responsibility to work without them watching you? They're actually doing you a service, something that's going to carry over into your life. Responsibility and working with sincerity, not just when people are watching you, but doing it when nobody's watching you at all. Every time you take that homework home and it's finished, it's neat, it's done right, it's flat, it's on the teacher's desk, and you look at them and set an apple and smile, and what's going to happen is you're going to get made fun of by your friends, 
But you're honoring that teacher and all of a sudden, when someday down the road, you're going to have an opportunity to get a job and that teacher is going to write this thing and say, this kid is the most responsible, appropriate, honoring kid, hardworking, always on time, works done well and done right. I highly recommend you to hire them. Now you tell me, what's so wrong with that? Our culture is complete opposite. Some of the greatest things that I've seen on my kids' reports I've had on my kids have not come on report cards. Don't get me wrong, A's and B's are wonderful, but the best and most wonderful thing that I've ever heard from teachers is, is your son or your daughter is the most respectful, reverent kid in this class. They help me, they help others. Why? Because it's important for us to have a reputation with outsiders. And when we honor up, we do have. People understand that. Don't tell me about Jesus if you're not doing your work, you're dressed like a lowlife, and you have no respect for yourself, and you're, and you're lazy. Don't tell me about Jesus. That's just how it is, folks. It's reality. That's the perception of people outside of this church. If you're lazy at work, don't come up and try to tell me about something I need. I do not want to be like you. What was I talking about? Oh, I'll tell you something else. Just kidding. I don't know what I'm talking about. We had a situation with Alyssa a few years back. I'll say this and then move on to honor flows down. But the situation with Alyssa, she was going into a class where there's a teacher that, well, let's just say she's lost that love and feeling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bring back that love and feeling. She didn't have it. You know what I'm saying? There was no, it just wasn't good. And, uh, and there's, how many of us know there's those teachers that are the nurturers? Oh, I just love you. You're just precious. You're just wonderful. This teacher was not one of those. <laughs> and April and I were like conflicted a little bit. And, and we were like, man, we really don't want her, want her to have this teacher at first. And, and the more we thought about it and, and we recognized that people, we'd talk to people and we're like, we're taking our kids out of her. We're, we're, we're recommending them to be somewhere else. And, and Lissa said, you know, oh, I've got this teacher. I'm afraid. And I don't, we set her down and said, look. You're going to be fine. You do what you're told. You turn in your papers. You obey the rules. You're not going to have any trouble. And I said, besides that, in life, you don't choose who your bosses are. You don't choose the people you have to work with. And you don't choose the people you have to be around. So you just will get over it, welcome to life, learn how to deal with it, and move on. I won't tell you what grade it was because some of you start looking to see what teachers are in that grade. <laughs> Can I tell you that it took a little bit of time? It took a little bit of time and she, she won that teacher's heart over about halfway through the school year. It took six months to tell you how bad the situation was. <laughs> took, took halfway through the school year. And I, let me just throw this in for, for no charge. Parents, quit fighting all your battles for your kids. I mean, you're not doing them any favors. When you go in, oh, I'm coming back down here for this. This is good. <laughs> when you go into the school, I've learned this in my life. I'm going to tell you what. I, I love Kevin. Kevin gave us a lot of struggles. You know that school. He's got situations, disabilities that he's dealing with. The last thing I was going to go in and do is make the teacher mad. She was on our side. Do you realize that little junior and juniorette don't do everything right all the time? Okay, we've got to get in our heads that we've got to quit fighting their battles. If you are fighting their battles all the way through school and you're telling the teacher they're wrong and they're wrong, listen, if it's happened one year after another year after another year and there's a pattern, it's not the teachers, it's your kid. Yeah. 
quit fighting the teachers and beat your kid. It's the truth. It's not everybody else's fault. It's your fault. Stop it. And if little junior gets a detention, it's not going to end their life. Don't go in and scream at the teacher about it. Say, shut up. Did you do it? I wasn't talking. Oh, everybody says they wasn't talking in class. You got a detention. Shut up. Serve 15 minutes of it and get it over with and move on with life and don't do it again. I'm not going to pull you out of detention. It was your stupidity that put you in there and it's your ignorance that put you in there. Stop it and you won't have to worry about it again. Move on. Now, if that child has a parent goes in and fights and drags their kid out of detention every week, what's going to happen to them when they go to a job and the boss tells them to shut up and do something? They're going to come get you? If your kid's 21 years old, 22 years old, and the boss tells them to do something and they don't like it, and the boss says, you're going to be fired, you're going to go into the boss and say, you really shouldn't have fired my son, that wasn't fair. He's going to say, shut up and get out of my office. You don't know what you're talking about. Reality, folks. Honor the teacher. And when you dishonor the teacher, your kid, the reason, where do you think they learned it? Oh, I need to get back to my notes. These are things I've learned in my own life. I'm only preaching from my own experience here. Okay? You trust me, when you have a child that's got a disability and you're trying to help them get through school and teachers are standing in your way, you have to view them as a doorway, not a roadblock. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. The teachers at your school may not always be fair. They may not always be concise on everything. They may not even be right all the time. But can I tell you something? Have you ever met somebody that's right all the time? So it's just a part of life. You might as well learn how to have a good reputation with outsiders and honor those that are over you. Amen? I need to move on. I'm meddling now. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, quickly. Uh, verse 9. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Colossians 4 says this, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Listen, honor flows up, it flows down as well. Masters, we have got to treat our slaves in the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way you expect them to treat you. Be on time. Show up and work. Be respectful. Treat people like they're a human being. Everybody's valuable. When we know that God Himself works in unity between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we must know and understand since this kingdom principle of honor flows up, that it flows down. God honored Jesus. And because we are grafted into those promises, He honors us as well. Ephesians 6 9 says this Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. And we know that. We've got to understand that if we expect people to value us, we must value people. <laughs> Mark 10. This is the mind of Christ in leadership. Mark 10, verse 42. It's on the screen. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. You mean, he's saying... Those that are in authority and the, the mentality of the world is, is that I'm in authority. I'm in charge here. You're going to do what I say now. And God's saying very simply through Mark here, he's saying clearly through Jesus, he said, listen, it's not so with you. If you're going to do this, you're going to have leadership and authority. You've got to do it with a kingdom mindset and a kingdom principle. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For a, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And yet he was the master. He was the Lord. He's the king of kings. Tell me, how many people in here would appreciate working for a boss that's high-minded, full of himself, and just treats you like you're a runt, no good piece of trash? Or would you enjoy working for somebody that you know cares and will jump down beside you and get busy and work next to you by your side? That's what Jesus Christ did. He came and served. Why would we, as having some authority to be a boss or to have authority over somebody, step ourselves up and say, I'm better than everybody else. You need to bow before me. Listen, you have been entrusted with something precious. It's called authority. We already read last week that there is no authority that's been established except what's been established by God. Therefore, if you've been established by God into authority, if I've been established by God for an authority, there's got to be a reason and a purpose for it. And if we misuse it, we become like the Pharisees. Luke 12 says this. I meddled too long. 42, the Lord answered, Who then is faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master has taken a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink with, and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready, nor does not do what his master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserves punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. If you have been entrusted with a leadership role, whether it be at work, whether it be the church, whether it be in the community, if you have been entrusted with something by God and you know Him, then you are expected to produce fruit from that. For much that has been entrusted to you, much is expected from you in return by God. It's not our place to demand. See, that passage of Scripture was being said to the Pharisees who had set themselves up as leadership and thought they were all that in a bag of chips, basically. They thought they were wonderful. And you need to bow before me because of who I am. They were misusing it. They were abusing it. And they were going to face judgment because of it. Right now, in ministry, all over the United States, there are pastors with staffs. There are pastors with staff pastors with them on board. And all over America... These pastors view these staff pastors as though they are just there to fulfill a role for them. They pay them as little as they possibly can pay them. They give them the worst jobs they can possibly give them. And when anything goes wrong, they're going to know about it. Trust me, I've been in ministry long enough. I have a lot of friends that are associates, youth pastors, children's pastors. Trust me, I've heard a lot of horror stories. I could go on for the next three hours pretty easily. That you would just sit there appalled and say, A pastor? A pastor would do that to his staff? And the man's a man of God? A pastor would, would say those things and do those things to their staff? A pastor would be ungrateful and not pay them what they deserve? They, they would keep their youth pastor, their associate pastors in poverty level and do this and this and this and be called a pastor? That's a man of God? Listen to me. As frustrated as you are with me right now at that pastor, it is no different for you in the workplace than it is for a minister with his staff. The difference is, is you look at the minister and say, well, that's a man of God. He shouldn't act that way. What are you? You a man or a woman of God? Then it's just as appalling to say I'm a Christian 
and try to keep people in poverty level and be unfair and harsh with them. Wish I had a Twinkie right now. I would dangle the Twinkie and get amens again. It's hard, amen? Isn't that difficult? If you have been placed in authority, much is expected of you. God wants you to invest. And if it frustrates you to invest, maybe you shouldn't be in authority. Maybe you're operating outside of your calling. Or maybe we just need to repent, figure out what we're supposed to do and do it. You see, because senior pastors go to meetings every month and they complain about their staff. You think I'm joking. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking. Don't complain to me about your staff. Invest in your staff. Teach your staff. Equip your staff. If they're not happy, there's a reason. They're not all just crybabies. They're not all just wanting more, 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 more. Maybe there's a need there. Maybe you need to stop and pay attention to it. I'll just move on. You say, well, Pastor Bob, don't you knock my authority position. I worked long and hard to get to where I am. You know, we almost go back to the high school mentality that says, well, my boss was mean to me, so now I'm in that position, I'm going to be mean to them too. Listen, didn't you learn anything? Didn't you learn anything from that harsh boss? Didn't you learn anything from being mistreated and, and wronged? And Tell me, who would be more exciting to work for, the one that's compassionate, kind, and generous, or the one that's mean and rough? Trust me, you don't want to have to work with a mean, rough boss that's just ignorant. So don't be one. Be compassionate, be servant-minded, be loving, be kind. Invest in those, teach those, build them up, present them to a place to where they're going to replace you someday. That is what God's called us to do. If, if He's given you much, much is expected. Amen? We cannot take our leadership positions lightly. And besides that, according to Scripture, I'm not only going to hear from my authorities at district office if I start treating Pastor Sam or Carl or anybody else with disrespect and dishonor. I'm not only going to hear from them, I'm going to hear from God for it. And there is no favoritism with God, according to Scripture. You say favoritism, what do you mean? Well, it's not because was, was Judas, was his situation less harsh? Was God less harsh on him because he had walked with Jesus for three years? It doesn't matter what my title is. It doesn't matter what denomination I'm a part of. If I'm wrong and I mistreat people and I dishonor those that are below me, I am going to answer to God for it. And I take that very seriously. I need to move on. Lastly, honor flows sideways. 1 Peter 2.17 says this, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That's King James Version. Again, honor all men, Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. It doesn't say just honor the brotherhood. It says love, love the brotherhood. The brotherhood is the church, but honor all men. Who is that? That is the outsiders. It's those that are not a part of this church. It's those that are part of the community and your environment that you're in every day. Honor all men. Everybody that comes to you is worthy of honor and respect. You don't have to set people aside and say, I'm going to show that one honor, I'm not going to show that one, I'm going to be nice to this one, and I'm not going to be nice to that one, because what you do then is you present yourself as an ambassador of Jesus Christ as though God is selective and He likes some and doesn't like others. Isn't this hard? It's so hard. Next week I'll preach something warm and fuzzy. These people are valuable. They were valuable enough for God the Father 
to send His Son to die on a cross for them. And how you honor your authorities, how you honor those that are under you, under your authority, ministers to those that are around you. And if they see that this is not honoring, and they see that that's not honoring, they don't want what you have. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Two more verses this morning. Not much longer. I'm about finished. We said full respect earlier. We show full respect to those that are over us. We'll show full respect to those that are under us. And how do we show full respect to those beside us? And I think Paul just did a tremendous job in the book of Romans. Verse 9 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. It's got to be sincere, church. People will know you're fake. If you love them sincerely, you treat them with respect and honor them sincerely in their face and behind their back, regardless of what they have done to you, they're still valuable in the sight of God and they deserve your utmost honor and respect. doesn't mean you have to agree with every little thing. It means when you speak to them, you look them in the eye. If they ask you a question, you're honest to them. When you talk to them, you're not going to talk outside one mouth, outside of your mouth to one person and out the other side to somebody else. You're sincere. And you hate the nonsense that's going on in your workplace. Hate the evil. Don't be brought into it. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We don't have to go around with this this pious attitude saying that we're better than anybody else. Remember, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You're not special. Your father is. Your father is the one that's given you the gift of salvation. Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Tell me, does 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 it really minister to people when I'm joyful? How many of you would rather be around a joyful person than a little sour, sour, upset? Those people that come up to the conversation, hey, how are you guys having fun? Then they come up and it's like, and it just sucks the wind out of everything and everybody's going, well, I guess I better go find something else to do. (laughs) Patience. Instead of blowing up and becoming angry over everything. Patient in affliction. Yeah, the job they told you to do is hard. Yes, it's cold. Yes, it's hot. Yes, it's dirty. Yes, it's obnoxious. Yes, I'm tired of standing on my feet. My bunions is aching. Whatever it may be. I don't know what it is, but if you be patient in it and not be a complainer arguing and you have an attitude of prayer that overcomes these things, it's going to, it's going to make an impact. Amen? Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Be generous. A generous person is a person that honors people and loves God regardless of their situation. You're not generous with a rich person. You're generous with those in need. And who is it that the Pharisees looked down upon were those that were needy? I'm tired of people asking me for money all the time. I have said that. But we need to be hospitable. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, oh, oh. Wait a second. (laughs) All right, Pastor Bob, I was on your bandwagon until that one. Because you don't know what she said. You know what she said to me? I was over in the corner and she's talking to her friends the other day and this is what she said to me. You would not believe what she said to me. But I'm going to tell you something about her. This is how her life is. I'm going to tell you right now. She has that boyfriend. He's over in the corner of fifth and fourth. I'm going to tell you right now. Is that not what happens? The scripture says very clearly, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Tell me that doesn't go against the culture. 
a right to say, you know what they did to me? Yes, but according to Scripture, it says very clearly that uh, a gentle word turns away wrath. My friend, if we're going to live by a kingdom principle, it's not our place to start cursing back to those that cursed us. You're living by the world standards. When people curse us and we start cursing back and we start making accusations and then it gets us to a point to where we're talking in groups too about the other person, congratulations, you've conformed to the world and not to God. Congratulations, you've just lowered your platform that you could stand on and proclaim the gospel of Christ. Congratulations, you just became a false ambassador of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so hard. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Hey, we can do that one. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Now that's impossible right there. You can't do what's right in everybody's eyes because everybody's got a different opinion about what's right. But the truth of the matter is, is in their heart they know what's right. And if we will live by right, what is right according to God's word, it will make an impact. If it, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, we all have environments that we have to be in that we need to do better of overcoming evil with good. It's so easy to conform, whether it be at school or the business place. Last state, last verse, Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If Amber would come, we're just going to talk briefly about this and close our service out. He says, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. A life worthy of the calling you have received. I am a pastor. Whether you like it or not, that's what I'm called to do. And God has called me to do this. There are certain expectations for my life from you. There are certain expectations that the district has for my life, for me. And if I live outside of those expectations, I not only hurt my platform, my ambassador job of Jesus Christ to you, but I also lose my platform completely. My credentials are pulled and I'll be pulled out of ministry. If I don't live a life that's worthy of the calling that I have received. You say, well, Pastor Bob, you're a pastor. What are you? You and I are both called to the same thing. You and I are called to be having a good example, a good reputation with those that are outside the church. We are called to the same thing. We are called to be completely humble and gentle. We're called to be patient, bear with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's what we're called to do. And you see, when we do that, we love up, we love down, and we love side to side. Did you see that? 
If we will humble ourselves, if we will live out that passage, being humble and gentle, if we're kind and compassionate, if we keep the peace in the house of God and we love and value people outside of the house of God, we love up to our authorities above us, we love down to those that we have authority over, and we love side to side. We crucify our flesh when we honor those that are around us in our everyday life. So to the point that not only do people just see Pastor Bob, but they see Jesus. Exactly what Zach preached this morning. They don't just see me. They see Jesus. The things I've spoken to you today, things I've spoken to you last week, are hard. It's hard to apply everyday life because we get so comfortable. It's almost like being at home, amen? You just get comfortable and just say whatever you want. Listen, you are in a mission field at your workplace and at your school. You have been called, so live a life that's worthy of the calling you have received. When you honor up, you honor down, and you honor side to side, you represent Christ. Will you stand with me this morning?